Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. I see Pretty Princess Steve has made it into the live chat room. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's good to have you back. So... Ladies and gentlemen, I have the greatest story of dumb. I know, I know. I cover dumb stories every week. Sometimes they're bigger dumb stories. Sometimes their stories are just so dumb, they they make your head hurt. This is one of those dumb stories. So, in order to prepare for it, I had to get some serious preparations done by going through MyPatriotSupply.com. At MyPatriotSupply.com, you can get all your food prep needs. You can get water filters and all sorts of good things to go in the car in case of an emergency. First aid kits, space blankets like they give to the kids at the border centers, all sorts of great stuff. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com, preferably use the link in the show notes to get there. That way they know you came through me. And get all your preparation needs taken care of at MyPatriotSupply.com. So, the dumb story of the week. The dumb story du jour, you might say. Courtesy of all things GoFundMe. You see, AOC... She'd just gotten back from visiting with her lovely, lovely abuela in Puerto Rico. Her house is falling apart. The roof is caving in because that damn Donald Trump, he didn't do anything to help. He he withheld being able to do anything. It was awful. Just awful. So... A lot of people point out, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. Uh, AOC, hey, over here in the back. Um, why don't you give some money to your abuela to fix her house? Uh, just a thought. So, conservative commentator Matt Walsh, when the gauntlet was thrown down, he picked it up. In fact, it it was such a noticeable pickup, that wonderful bastion of liberal garbage, the Independent, ran this headline earlier today. Right-wing blogger launches GoFundMe for AOC's Puerto Rico grandmother in latest personal attack. Yes, that's right. Matt Walsh started a GoFundMe for her darling, lovely abuela. And this is the full context of what Matt Walsh wrote when he, when he posted this. On June 2nd, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez reported to Twitter that her dear abuela has fallen ill and continues to live in squalid conditions since her home was ravaged by Hurricane Maria. One cannot be certain of the cost to repair grandma's house, but surely most of the work could be completed for the price of AOC's shiny 
Tesla Model 3. As AOC pointed out to us, we, quote, don't even have a concept for the role that incredibly successful children of two American citizens play in their families, end quote. But clearly, caring for their own grandparent isn't part of it. Says the congresswoman, instead of only caring for my own grandmother and letting others suffer, I'm calling attention to the systemic injustices. No, seriously, she really said that. Sadly, virtue signaling isn't going to fix Abuela's roof, so we are. Let's all kick in to help save AOC's Abuela's ancestral home. Any amount is appreciated, but the cost of a monthly lease payment on that Tesla is around $499. Dot, dot, dot. All proceeds will be donated to Abuela if she will accept them. So, update for today. Someone in AOC Abuela's family told GoFundMe that she won't take our money. Even though AOC previously claimed that her grandma was in dire straits, and it was Trump's fault, AOC still hasn't acknowledged this effort or thanked us. Instead, she seems to think that it is worth $104,000 of her abuela's money to express that she doesn't want money from the likes of us. Abuela could have accepted the money and donated it to charity, but it seems AOC preferred to insult the 5,800 people who donated. GoFundMe is issuing a refund and assures us that 100% of every donation will be refunded within three to seven business days. The email from GoFundMe is copied below. Tragically, this charitable effort has been sabotaged by forces outside of our control. Still, I'm grateful for the outpouring of support. Abuela, even if AOC isn't. But questions remain. Why didn't AOC help her own Abuela? Why was our help turned down? We are left to speculate. In the end, our campaign raised... $100,000, and could have solved a problem in 10 hours that AOC couldn't solve in four years. We can all be proud of that. As for Abuela, all we can do now is pray. And then uh, the actual... uh, He says it has it copied, but wasn't didn't fully show up, but yeah. It's absolutely insane and asinine that what some people are calling the greatest troll of all time, it raised $100,000 to help a destitute old woman. But because of who was donating the money, who organized it, it was turned away out of spite. Oh my God. Like I said, this is possibly the dumbest of dumb stories that I have heard today. And I've heard some doozies. But after the dumb story of the week, I got some good news. I got some good news. As of of yesterday... Dateline, San Diego. A federal judge on Friday struck down California's ban on assault weapons as unconstitutional, but left plenty of time for the state to file an appeal. (laughs) Libertarian Ninja, damn those evil conservatives for, checks notes, raising money for those in need. Ah, yes. Anywho's, Uh, This story out of San Diego. A judge ruled California's ban on assault weapons unconstitutional. In his decision, Judge Roger T. Benitez praised the AR-15 as a home defense weapon. If it seems somewhat skeptical in 
this uh, this article and the headline is probably because it came from NBC and they are none too happy. So uh, the state's definition of illegal military-style rifles unlawfully deprives law-abiding Californians of weapons commonly allowed in most other states and by the U.S. Supreme Court, the judge wrote. Judge Roger T. Benitez, who I did a little background when I saw this story because I want to know who this Judge Benitez was. Turns out he's the children of, wait for it, wait for it, Cuban refugees! And he was appointed to the federal seat of the Southern District of California by none other than George W. Bush, a conservative who so routinely just said, yeah, conservatism, that's for dopes. So Judge Roger Benitez, who has favored pro-gun groups in past rulings, described the AR-15 rifle using many of the nation's deadliest mass shootings as an ideal weapon. Quote, like the Swiss Army knife, the popular AR-15 rifle is a perfect combination of home defense weapon and homeland defense equipment, he wrote in Friday's decision. Yet, the state of California makes it a crime to have an AR-15 type rifle. Therefore, this court declares the California statutes to be unconstitutional. Uh, he praised the AR-15 as a rifle that should be formally protected by the law for its militia readiness. Huh. Almost as if he's paying honor to the prefatory clause of the Second Amendment. The, the, the clause that doesn't have any actual teeth to it, but based in you know historical context and the writings in the Federalist Papers, Everybody who is, you know, able-bodied is part of, should be part of the militia. And as part of the militia, you should have, be able to have the arms to serve that function. <laughs> Libertarian, is a Remington 223 illegal in California? Hashtag asking for a friend. Governor Gavin Newsom was indignant. In a statement late Friday, oh, he was indignant, y'all. Oh, my gosh. I, I can just hear the, the sniveling now. I, I, wish I, I wish I had sad violin music. Today's decision is, is, is fundamentally flawed, and we will be appealing it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I jumped to the wrong sniveling whiner. Quote, this is from Gavin Newsom, quote, the, the fact this judge compared the AR-15, the weapon of war that's used on the battlefield, to a, to a Swiss Army knife. Wait. Stop him. A little pregnant pause right there. And comparing an Army rifle to a Swiss Army Knife. American Army Rifle. Swiss Army Knife. Completely undermines the credibility of this decision. It is a slap in the face of families who have lost loved ones this weapon. At the Office of Attorney General Rob Bonta said it would appeal. This is where I was getting into when I got a little out of order. Today's decision is fundamentally flawed. We will be appealing it. There is no sound basis in law, fact, or common sense for equating assault rifles with, with, with Swiss Army knives. <laughs> Pretty Princess Steve, I love how they keep calling weapon that's never seen a battlefield a, quote, weapon of war. How stupid are these people? Um, That is a question that I dare not answer because I'm scared of, I'm scared of what would come back, 
what would come back on that one. The Firearms Policy Coalition, which backed the suit, celebrated the decision. Quote, we look forward to continuing this challenge at the Ninth Circuit. And, should it be necessary, the Supreme Court, the group's president, Brandon Combs, said in a statement. The ruling came as Bont to recognize Gun Violence Awareness Day. In California, we have strong gun laws developed with the public safety in mind, he said in a statement earlier Friday. Assault weapons, as defined by the law, are more dangerous than other firearms. They're, they're more dangerous. And are disproportionately used in crimes, mass shootings, and against law enforcement with more resulting casualties. The state attorney general's office argued, barring them, quote, furthers the state's important public safety interest. Okay, I got to pause right there because, you know, we, we have this federal office, a, a bureau, if you will, uh, this bureau investigates things. A federal bureau that investigates, and they they track things like gun crime. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's crazy, crazy. I, I, I'm just pulling this out of my ass. But there's a federal bureau that investigates things. They keep track of these things called gun crimes. And it turns out most mass shooters actually prefer handguns to long rifles. And there's a reason for that. It's because when a lot of these mass shootings, they happen in situations where they're shooting fish in a barrel. And really, an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine produces no more casualties than a Glock with a 15-round magazine. Because it's really quick to just push a button on the side of the Glock, drop a mag, slap a new one home, Release the slide, and you go back to doing what you were doing. And in close quarters, the size of the weapon does not give you any more accuracy as opposed to long-range shooting. Where if you're out in the open, obviously the AR-15 is going to give you a significant advantage because ballistics and trajectories and, oh my God, it's... The joys of having once been a squad-designated marksman in the Army and understanding how things work. <laughs> Lady Di, yes, we're talking guns because a federal judge appointed by George W. Bush ruled that the California ban is unconstitutional. <laughs> Anywho's. Uh, the judge in the U.S. District Court, Southern District of California, cited multiple precedents to bolster his decision. Although some experts and gun control advocates have long argued the authors of the Second Amendment could never have imagined a weapon originally designed for modern warfare being used for personal defense. And they could have never, they could have never imagined some dude with a microphone using mass electronic communications to speak against the government. To call for redress of the government. They could have never imagined being able to use electronic communication devices and a social media page to directly tell the President of the United States, you are a stupid effing moron and you need to go to the retirement home. They could have never imagined that. But if you point that out, if you point that out, 
Uh, well, you see, the First Amendment, it covered uh, letter-writing campaigns and newspaper articles. It, did, it doesn't cover the Internet. It doesn't cover podcasts or radio or television. They look at you like you have a phallic object growing out of your forehead. Anyways, Judge Benitez wrote, the government is not free to impose its own new policy choices on American citizens where constitutional rights are concerned. Benitez stayed in his stayed his own permanent injunction against the state's prohibition for 30 days in order to give the Attorney General time to appeal. Huh. California first prohibited assault weapons in 1989 and expanded its definition to cover more firearms over the years. The plaintiff, James Miller, along with Patrick Russ and Ryan Peterson, had argued the assault weapons are protected under the Second Amendment. They filed suit against the state in 2019. Earlier this year, after a man allegedly killed 10 people at a Colorado grocery store with what witnesses described as an AR-15-style rifle, President Joe Biden called on Congress to pass a national assault weapons ban. Where's my pudding? Oh, my goodness. And uh, the idea of going to the Supreme Court, it is going to take a while. We don't know how the makeup is going to change. However, as I was doing my show prep, I didn't I didn't pull this article. But with all the talk of packing the courts and oh my god, we, we have to do something because there's a six three split in the Supreme Court, which really not say six three split. It's it's really a four five split where maybe two of the more liberal-leaning justices will come over to the conservative side. However, here's something they won't tell you, something that hasn't gotten a whole lot of play in the last couple weeks. In the past two weeks, there have been six unanimous decisions by the Supreme Court. Yes, that's right. With, with opinions written by varying, varying members of the court on a more conservative ruling. Stephen freaking Breyer wrote the opinion. Neil Gorsuch wrote one opinion. Uh, Clarence Thomas wrote another. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Now, is this something where the Supreme Court is trying to make a point that they can function? That they're trying to, like, squash any attempts to, you know, expand the court? Which even, you know, the demigoddess of liberal justice herself, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God rest her soul, pointed out that packing the court is just dumb. That is all it leads to is turning the Supreme Court from an arbiter of what's constitutional and what's not into a political football. Now, like I said, I have another kind of good news story. We, we've seen that um, justice moves slowly. And many times when justice is in favor of the people and not the government, not as it moves slowly, it, it moves quietly. The government just kind of slinks away with its tail between its legs because it knows it's been whipped. As from uh, earlier in the week, Department of Justice moves to dismiss a case against January 6th protester. It always begins with the trickle. 
On Tuesday, the Department of Justice filed a motion to dismiss the criminal complaint filed against defendant Christopher Kelly on January 20th, 2021. Kelly was charged in connection with the January 6th protest on Capitol Hill. And blah, 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 lots of basically the unopposed motion to dismiss, which they're, you know, dismissing it with out prejudice, meaning should they see fit, they will charge him again. Uh, several issues worth commenting on here, and this is actually from Red State. This is, so there's a lot of commentary built into this. First, Kelly has never been indicted by a grand jury, even though there have been grand jury indictments hand down as soon as the week following the protest. <clears throat> Kelly was charged by way of a criminal complaint obtained by the FBI, relying on an affidavit filed by Special Agent Michael Andretta and signed by U.S. Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi on January 20th. He was arrested and made his initial appearance on February 9th. Under Federal Rule of Criminal Procedures 5.1, a defendant must be indicted within 14 days of making an initial appearance following an arrest on a criminal complaint if the defendant is held in custody. The period is extended to 21 days if the defendant is released on bond. If an indictment is not obtained at that time, the defendant is entitled to a preliminary hearing where a magistrate determines the presentation of evidence by the government whether there is probable cause that the defendant has committed a federal crime. And it goes on to more explanation of how all this how this works. Uh, it has been 110 days since Kelly made his initial appearance, so the failure to seek an indictment has been a function of Kelly's willingness to extend the time period under this rule while his attorney worked to convince the prosecution to not take his case to the grand jury. The tactic seems to have paid off. The complaint charged Kelly with the same base charge which DOJ employed against most of the January 6th protesters. Obstruction of a congressional proceeding unlawful entry into a restricted government building, and violent entry or disorderly conduct. Uh, the author, who has a screen name, not an actual person, uh, last week wrote about some potential legal and factual problems that the DOJ is likely encountering with regard to each of these charges. The first charge may be undermined by the by the potential unconstitutionality of the Electoral Count Act, 3 U.S.C. 15, which is the statutory basis for the proceedings taking place in Congress on January 6th. The ECA, crusade, the ECA created a procedural mechanism by which Congress supposedly gave unto itself the authority to alter the outcome of the proceedings of the Electoral College as spelled out in the 12th Amendment. If... Proceedings taking place on January 6th were unconstitutional. Then at best, they were ceremonial, and protesters were not actually interfering with government business or official function, as required by the criminal statute Kelly was charged with having violated. As for entering a restricted building, that particular statute under which Kelly and others were charged applies only to the White House, VP's residence or other buildings where the president or other person protected by Secret Service will be temporarily visiting. That means the statute would only apply to the Capitol during the limited time the vice that Vice President Pence was present. As was common in the criminal complaint affidavits, the agent described the proceedings taking place in the Capitol and the events of the crowd as a whole. Starting on page 6 and continuing for 10 more pages, the FBI agent describes Kelly's involvement. That seems to me like a lot to walk away from in Emily Latella fashion. See YouTube. The affidavit uses, uses foundation information from a confidential source about Facebook posting on an account in the name of Chris Kelly. Agent matched New York driver's license photo for Christopher M. Kelly, believing to be living in or around New York City, to a screenshot of the picture of the profile page of Facebook. As it goes on to talk about how they went on to name him, figure out who it was. Uh, 
Uh, the government's motion to dismiss the complaint and not seek an indictment does not explain the basis for making the request. But the fact that the government has a photograph of Kelly outside the Capitol, meaning it could identify him in the vast amounts of video footage it has of everyone inside the Capitol, suggests that Kelly's Facebook messages might not accurately reflect what he actually did on January 6th. If there was video of him inside the Capitol building during the period protest activity was taking place, there's no reason why the government would not have moved to indict him as soon as his February 9th arrest, just as it did to hundreds of other protesters similarly situated. The fact that it did not do so suggests there was some gap in the evidence needed to put him inside the Capitol building during the critical time period. And, and we're starting to see more and more of this begin to come to light. Um, there's currently a... I believe is a a Washington resident who was at who was at the Capitol as a purely uh, as a journalist, and he was filming everything. He was filming it when you know he was seeing. Filming the cops waving people into the building. He had come up on, come up on the uh, the protesters who were smashing in the windows when Ashley Babbitt was shot, and he openly decried the breaking of other windows within the Capitol. He he didn't make any bones about it. Yes, I was there. I saw it. We, the most of us were trying to be peaceful. These people were knuckleheads. I read another story where there's a, where there's a woman who is currently, her argument is the Capitol was open for business. She called ahead. Hey, is the Capitol actually going to be open for people to come in? And again, cops were cops and security were waving people in. So I mean, this is going to be a show of a very particularly nasty variety. So we'll just have to see how that one plays out. But I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com slash shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast. And as always, stay relentless. Cardboard-flavored doormat textured protein bar How about drink mix packets for your water bottles that are full of artificial sweeteners? Tired of a whole regimen of pre-workout and protein shakes for your trip to the gym? Go to BuiltBar.com for their selection of great tasting protein bars, Built Boost Energy drink mixes, and Built Go Energy gels. Built Bar offers 18 delicious flavors of protein bars with only 4 to 5 net carbs for you keto dieters, 6 flavors of Built Boost Energy drink mix, and 3 flavors of Built Go Energy gel. Built Bars are made in America using real ingredients like honey and dark chocolate. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10% and let them know you heard about them from Relentless Daring. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. 
All right, getting back into it. Um, so the really the big thing that has been driving me absolutely bad crap crazy this week, as I've been trying to figure out what's going on with a lot of things, has been really the wokeness of the military. And, and don't get me wrong, I I enlisted originally in uh, June of two thousand one. In 16 years, I saw a lot of change. Some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. Uh, I saw standards in the Army get really lax because, ah, we need bodies to send over to Iraq and Afghanistan. The surge! And then with the push for this new, within the Army for this new uh, physical readiness test. Some of the elements, they kind of make sense. I don't know it, how combat ready you are if you can do at least three leg tucks and you know curl, curl, curl yourself up into a ball while hanging from a pull-up bar and then you know click your heels together above the bar. I don't know what that has to do with combat or your combat readiness, but hey, somebody at the Army who gets paid a lot more money than I ever did, they said it was definitely worth it. Well, and then the big thing that's been hitting has been the wokeness. Since January 20th, the military has been on a fact-finding mission. We're going to find all those crazy right-wing alt-right, white supremacist, crazy-ass sons of bitches, and we're going to get them out of this army, out of these Marines, out of this Air Force, because we need to make it woke. This is an article from Daily Caller. No apologies whatsoever. Pentagon defends its woke diversity efforts under the Biden administration. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said the U.S. military has no apologies whatsoever for enacting policies focused on diversity and inclusion. That's some Republican critics argue emasculate the military. Kirby made the comments during Pentagon press briefing Wednesday, echoing Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's rejection of the criticisms Monday. Republican critics have focused primarily on Biden's decision to allow transgender people to serve in the military. No, that's not what we have. That is not what law Republicans are complaining about. That's one that's one of the lesser things that Republicans are complaining about or are concerned about. Don't get me wrong, I don't want the military to be used as a uh, as a welfare system for transgender per- people to you know get their transition surgeries and their transition drugs free of charge off the, you know, off the taxpayer's dime. I'm not a fan of that. Not to mention there are certain conditions that while you're being treated for, for instance, if you're transitioning, it's really hard to deploy because the military cannot guarantee you will have access to those hormone replacement drugs. So it could throw a great big monkey wrench into the medical process of going from man to woman or woman to man. Just throw that out there because it's called common effing sense. As well as the time of recent... Depending on ad campaigns, which if, if you didn't know those, uh, the says Pentagon ad campaigns, these are the army ad campaigns. They, they were so amazingly awesome that the United States army had to turn off comments because Our soldiers are people, too, and this is really hurtful to them. We can't be hurting them. That's for the enemy to do with the bullets. You can't say mean words. They'll be devastated permanently.
Quote, you know that some Republican lawmakers have been attacking various efforts on the diversity inclusion front in the military, complaining about the stand, stand out order, <laughs> stand down order. Earlier this spring, New York Times reporter Jennifer Steinhauer said, some have started a system of social media for active duty troops to file complaints about so-called woke media military. What's your observation or comment on that? Kirby responded, the secretary has been very queer and fairly unapologetic about the fact that we want to get all the best talent that we can that we can available from the American people. If you need the standards, oh my God, who wrote, who wrote this? Dear God, you're freaking moron. If you meet the standards and you're qualified to be in the military and and you're willing to raise your hand and serve this country, we want you to be able to be able to. And we want you to be able to do it free of hate and fear and discrimination. We owe that if you we owe you that if you're going to raise your right hand and volunteer to serve your country, you're the that's the very least we can do. And there's no apologies for that. No apologies whatsoever for wanting to create that kind of a working environment. And it is a work in progress. Ted Cruz had criticized recent recent woke advertisements from the military for focusing too heavily on diversity, arguing the ads make the U.S. look emasculated. Secretary Austin responded to the criticism in a Memorial Day interview. It is not too soft. It will never be too soft. Let's go on. Let that one hang there. God dang. I think our adversaries would like to capitalize on talking points like that. You you know, the Chinese and the Russians. I welcome them to do that because what this department, what Lloyd Austin is focused on is the defense of the our nation. I will not lose one minute of sleep over what the Chinese leadership is saying or what Vladimir Putin is saying. What I will focus on, what I focus on is the defense of this nation. Okay, here's a crazy idea. You're focused on the defense of this nation. Then let's worry about making this the most lethal military on the face of the freaking planet. I get, I get the touchy feely stuff. I do. There are programs that I think are good. You know, suicide prevention is a big one. You know, resiliency training, very good. Resiliency goes hand in hand with suicide prevention. It helps with combat effectiveness. Destigmatize going to behavioral health when you have a problem. These are things that we can do that while seeming seemingly touchy-feely, new army bullcrap, there is a legitimate benefit to having those programs in the military. If we have soldiers who are going through crisis and they know they can go and see behavioral health, they can get therapy, they, they can learn coping mechanisms because, face it, we have a generation that we're now trying to recruit that's never had to deal with bullies. They've never had to be punched in the mouth. They've never had to punch someone back because they've been told, oh, well, if you have a problem, go see the teacher, go to the counselor. So they don't know how to deal with their own problems. And so making resources available to them so they can learn how to deal with their problems in a healthy manner and not decide to go out and end their problems with a you know with a 22 caliber bullet to the head or with the belt around their neck 
If we can figure out a way to get them resilient so they can go into the battle space and inflict violence upon our enemies and be able to handle that, I am fine with that. However, trying to make the U.S. military into some social engineering project that, oh, well, you know, we can... You know, we'll make it a better place. We're going we're gonna to force inclusion upon them. Uh, no. What, when, you, when you bring the CRT, the critical race theory, when you bring certain aspects of this cultural Marxism onto the military, it doesn't breed inclusion. It doesn't make for a stronger more cohesive unit, it makes for resentment. When you go around telling young white kids from rural Pennsylvania that they're racist assholes because the color of their skin means they will never have to suffer for anything in their lives, guess what it does? It makes the, it breeds resentment for the black guy from Harlem, who's trying to get the hell out of a bad situation because it's either guns, drugs, or some form of street crime. You don't build cohesion by telling soldiers that, because you're skin color, you're bad. It makes... It makes people in the military resent each other. And these moose knuckles who think they're so much smarter than me, I went to college, I have a degree. Hey, you know what? I was an enlisted infantryman. Do you know what it's like to resent somebody to the point where when bullets start flying, you're trained to take out the closest threat first. And it runs through your head, I could totally get away with putting a bullet in that son of a buck's head. And no one would notice because it's the fog of war. He ran into my line of fire. Whoops. This is what you're breeding. This is what you're trying to foment. And in case the military hasn't noticed, they've been having some issues with meeting their retention and recruiting goals. This is an article from Navy Times. It came out um, earlier this week. Navy is masking the extent of manning shortfalls in the surface fleet, a watchdog agency says. The Sea Service's long-standing practice has been to track and report crew levels against funded positions instead of against the number of positions required to safely man a vessel, according to the Government Accountability Office. This means that the Navy has tracked crew levels based on what positions it could afford to fund instead of what Navy studies have determined are needed, masking the full extent of crew shortfalls, the report states. This practice has misinformed Navy leaders on the extent of which its ship have crew on board members needed for optimal performance, safety, and readiness, according to the GAO. Even though the Navy has not been accurately measuring the full extent of such shortfalls, by their own accounting, manning shortages nearly double. By their own accounting, manning shortages nearly doubled in recent years from 8% to 15%, 2016 to 2020. In a statement, Navy Times Naval Surface Forces spokeswoman, Commander Nicole Swegman, said that fleet manning remains a top priority for the surface force. The Navy has seen an increase in billet growth that directly contributes to fleet readiness. We are working hard to increase the number of sailors to fill those at sea billets through multiple sailor-focused programs, sailor-focused process improvements, incentives, and policy mechanisms that expand career progression and retention opportunities. 
We currently have more sailors at sea Navy-wide than we've had in the past six years. The Surface Force prioritizes manning requirements for ships going on deployment and forward deployed ships to ensure they remain manned at above required levels. And again, as the GAO, as the GAO pointed out, this isn't, you know, in the Army we call it NIMTO. Uh, manning, uh, I can't even tell you off the top of my head. Basically, the NIMTO is... Here's the equipment that your unit is authorized, and here are the manning positions that it is authorized. And the Navy is basically saying, or the GAO is saying that, yeah, the Navy goes off what it's funded for, not what, you know, the actual, you know, crew strength that it should be having. Let's see. Princess Steve says, if that's true, why does Navy have multiple rates with personnel having their sword duty cut short due to lack of manning in the fleet? Oh, oh, it, it, it gets better. It goes on to uh, the collisions involving the Fitzgerald and the John S. McCain that killed a total of 17 sailors in 2017. And upon review... It was because of a manning shortage. They had to take unqualified personnel and put on the bridge of those vessels. It's ridiculous. And because of the stupid going on in all aspects of military recruiting, they're not getting the best personnel they're getting they're getting personnel that honestly they're they're lowering the standards to get people in to fill those fill those billets and well you know we we can fudge the standards here there's been a a long ongoing joke about how it's easier to get in the military than it is to college Turns out it's a lot easier to get into college than to get into the military. You know, and we're not recruiting the best people. Those who we would consider the best people are currently deciding that, you know, um, yeah, I'd rather not. And for a long time, one of the biggest things hurting the hurting retention, or not retention, recruiting, was, of all things, a good economy. You see, when you have a booming economy, you have people from areas that normally they would enlist because it's the only way out. But if the economy is picking up, they're getting new manufacturing, new jobs, an area that would normally see a lot of uh, people enlisting out of there. Well, I can make the same money and stay home. <laughs> yeah, colleges don't deny you entry for drug use. So there's to an extent they're right. Um, college also won't say, uh, yeah, you're too fat, go away. College won't say, oh, you had to have a complete shoulder reconstruction due to a sports injury in high school? Yeah, sorry. Uh, pound sand. Hell, to go to college these days, SATs and ACTs don't mean crap. The, the basic recruitment for college now is, do you have money to go to school? Uh, no. Okay, um, you want to go to school here? Fill out the free application for student uh, for student for student aid, the FAFSA. Oh, I qualify for government-backed student loans. Oh, goody! Well, we will take you because you have a pulse, and we're going to be getting money. 
It's guaranteed. Even if you never pay it back, we still got ours. There's none of that with the with the military. Military, if you had a substantial injury prior to enlistment, guess what? They're probably going to reject you. People give crap about Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, he had bone spurs. Well, you know what? He also stopped playing sports after the diagnosis of bone spurs versus Joe Biden, who, you know, he got his deferments because of asthma, but he still worked as a lifeguard while on medical, de- while on his college deferment and his medical deferments because of asthma, he still worked as a lifeguard. Huh. Weird. But, you know, remember, it's you're only a draft dodger if you have an R after your name. Because, you know, Bill Clinton, he, he, uh, he wasn't a draft dodger. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, Chris Christopherson was also a Rhodes Scholar. You know, Chris Christopherson, you know, singer-songwriter from the 70s and 80s. Um, he, wrote, he wrote that classic, classic song, Me and Bobby McGee, that became famous because of Janis Joplin. Yeah, that guy, he was a Rhodes Scholar. He still served in Vietnam. I don't even know if I'd go out of my way call him a conservative. I know he wasn't conservative when it came to marijuana. He was quite the fan. Him and Shel Silverstein loved, loved the leafy green stuff. Like I said, the military is pushing programs that sow division and weakness. You have veterans my age with kids becoming old enough to serve. And we look at him and go, uh-uh, don't do it. I, I love the country. I'm proud of my service, but do not enlist. Seen over and over again where if you're a leader in combat and you have to make a hard decision that costs a local national their life because it's either them or it's my soldiers. The military is quick to throw your ass in jail. I'm 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 scared where our country's going. Right now we have China. Oh, if we if we pursue that whole Wuhan lab leak theory, we start investigating it, they're they're gonna start spinning up their nuclear bombs. <clears throat> Yep, they're threatening nuclear war, and now they're in a, you know, a treaty thing with Russia, who hates us, and Iran, who hates us. Um, hmm. Yeah, weird how that works. I mean, it, the, the good thing is if uh, Rainbow Jihad takes over the army, um, if there's a civil war, they'll be easy to defeat because they'll be too busy rainbow warrioring it up with instead of shooting tanks at us. I mean, we have that going for us, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, I know someone just heard that and they're like, oh my God, he's calling for violence against our soldiers in civil war. No, it's called snark. There is some truth, but for the most part, it's sarcasm. Believe me, the last thing I would want is to fight a civil war in my backyard. So, get out of your head. No, I'm not trying to call for an insurrection or anything like that. Just being snarky. All right, I'm just going to wrap this up for this week. Again, those of you in the live shows came out and listened, thank you so very much for joining me. It's always a pleasure. Those of you who are listening... On podcasts, pref- or more specifically on the Apple on the Apple Podcast. Remember, 
the four things I ask every week. Number one, smash that subscribe button. That way you get the alert every week when the show pops up. Number two, rate it. Five stars preferably. I'll take four, maybe three. Prefer five. I would prefer five. I'll take four. Third of all, write a review. That way people know you like the show. Say some nice things. You don't don't have to go crazy, you know, inflating my ego, you know. I'll, I'll, but just say some nice things. It's always nice to nice to see. And number four, please share this episode. Share the show in general. Tell people about it. But hey, this is a show I listen to. Share it. Share this episode. Send it to someone who you think will drive this will drive them completely up the wall. I will gladly. Gladly be your instrument of driving your liberal friends nuts. It makes me so happy. Again, thank you so very much for listening. Remember, if you want to support the show, go to RelentlessDaring.com. At the top of the page, you will see a donate button. Click that. You accept a one-time or a recurring payment. That helps keep all these wonderful things like the website, the show hosting and equipment keeps all up to date keeps everything running smoothly as smoothly as i can make it run anyways because i'm kind of a goober when it comes to all this stuff or you can buy merch merch is always cool please buy the merch let people know you like the show it's awesome again thank you so very much so very much for listening and as always stay relentless This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com.